listening to In the House with Jenny Woon and Tony Singh, your West Coast real estate agents, a personal and professional development podcast for the everyday working woman. Gain proven business building tools and actionable strategies to maximize profitability. Here's your host, Jenny and Tony. Welcome back to the In the House podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Paulina Cameron. Paulina is the CEO of the Foreign for Women Entrepreneurs, and she leads a team that brings entrepreneurial dreams to life, supporting thousands of entrepreneurs in launching their business. She's definitely a champion for gender equality and has gained international recognition for all her work. She's the co-founder and president of Young Women in Business, and she's a big believer in empowerment for the next generation. What I got most out of my conversation with her is how positive she is in working to connect educators and mentors and women entrepreneurs all together. So without further ado, here's Paulina Cameron. Hey, In the House fam, we are here today with Paulina Cameron. I'm absolutely excited and so happy you are here. I actually emailed you. I didn't expect such a quick response from you, to be honest with you, and, and a direct response from you. I thought maybe your team would be in contact with me, but I was telling everyone back uh, here on my team um, you're joining us today and how inspired I, I, I am and how inspired I will be after this interview. I know for sure you're such an inspiration to, to all and especially to me because you're a champion of gender equality. So you're a force to be reckoned with. I, I'm going to go down like a list of things that you've accomplished and what you're involved in, but you're such a great leader in our community working in spaces of women and youth entrepreneurship. Um, and this is what, what we're all about. This show is about helping females uh, business strategies and offering tips um, to, to real estate um, and entrepreneurs, but it's really just a wide range of audience where we want to be able to just inspire women in general. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So delighted to be here. <laughs> and you know, it's so funny about emails. I feel I either take like three weeks to respond or three seconds. So <laughs> you want oh, out on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I caught you at a good time yeah. then. <laughs> um, so previously, you were a director for BC, Alberta, and Yukon team uh, for the Futurepreneur Canada, where you led a team that brought like hundreds of young entrepreneurs' dreams come true. You're an author of a best-selling book, Canada 150 Woman, where you have real conversations about the leaders in Canada, champions, and and um, and just like what struggles they've gone through and and what empowers them to. to keep moving on. You won the Alliance for Women's Top 100 International uh, Women's Award. You also have two kids. I do. A daughter I and a son, do. right? Cutie patooties. <laughs> Gracie and Jude. Mm-hmm. Your your Instagram feed is so authentic, honestly. Like you, I've seen you cry <laughs> on it. I've seen you like be an advocate for like for females. So it's, it's super strong. I love uh, what you stand for. So currently, you are holding the position of as a, as a CEO for Foreign for Women Entrepreneurs. Um, I'm going to let you take over and just share what this Vancouver-based charity is all about. Awesome. Thank you. So we are all about community and supporting women entrepreneurs to run wildly successful businesses and thriving on their own terms. We do that through a few programs that we run. And you know, you, you mentioned we're based in Vancouver and we support women entrepreneurs from across all of Canada. So I love connecting and hearing 
hearing stories of women from all across coast to coast. Uh, what we do is we support women with education, mentorship, and community to uh, grow their businesses and to really thrive. And so we have three core programs that we run right now. One is in person previously to COVID. It was a three-day in-person business intensive called E-Series Entrepreneur Series that happened twice a year, once in Vancouver, once in Toronto. We run a mentorship program where we match women entrepreneurs with a mentor from anywhere in Canada. And uh, that's a one-on-one mentorship. And then the third program that we run is called Pitch for the Purse, and it culminates with three women sharing the visions for their business in front of an audience of about 800 people live, typically at our gala in February again in person. And so things are fun this year because they are shifting online. Um, And I'm so excited because we just launched last Friday, so less than a week ago from when we're recording this, uh, we just launched a brand new program called Money Moves. And um, really excited about it. I know we're going to be talking about access to capital and money and women not talking about mm-hmm. it and needing to talk about it. So we just launched totally. that um, launched that uh, yeah under a week ago from when we're recording and it's already half full, which is amazing. And I think such a testament to the fact that women want to be talking about this, are excited to be growing their business. Um, and I just uh, I have so much hope for what for what it can all bring together. So the programs that we run are deeply focused on education. We measure impact, like how much has your revenue grown after you took the program, um, hiring new jobs, how long uh, how long is your business sustainable for, et cetera. So we're really focused on. This isn't just a gathering. This isn't just about networking. This isn't just about getting inspiration. These are actual um, deep education, deep deep impact programs that are going to significantly move your business and your vision forward. And then we do that all with a layer of community. You know, we're going through this exercise right now um, with an external team, and they asked us to describe how entrepreneurs talk about us. (laughs) I said, well, they tell us we're like this really intensive entrepreneurship MBA <laughs> with a hug. So I don't know how you're going to summarize that, but that's how we feel like. <laughs> <laughs> is is the hug just like a female thing? Like, I think if it was like a male-dominated type of charity-based, uh, you know, gathering like this, there's just no hugging involved. So Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't really care. Like, <laughs> I think, you know... Um, we're, we're, we have such a keen eye to supporting the women, um, that want to be growing their business and are just so dedicated to it. But I will say, you know, we do have phenomenal mentors that are in our community that are men as well. Um, Mm. and the ones that really show up, show up, like they really bring their values to the table. They're committed. They are aligned, um, about their intentions and why they want to support women. You know, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear or not, but we have this informal rule that no a You're no allowed. assholes allowed. <laughs> we, it's just not it's just not our community and not what we invite. We want people who are really um, thoughtful, intentional, and values aligned. And um, you know, luckily there's a tremendous community around FWE, both women and men, that come together around that. So it's quite powerful to mm-hmm. see that some of our um, men that we've had involved in the community, um, you know, our women entrepreneurs will come back to say, I was really nervous or I wasn't sure how this would go. And um, the way they really showed up for me and they put, you know, their communities, their networks, et cetera, on the line and committed for me was incredible. So, and they will yeah, hug I kind with of us. feel like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I kind of feel like, like, 
us as drivers of the economy, we have plenty of resources for education, plenty of resources to kind of build this community and everybody grouping together in this community and being a tribe for one another. The biggest conversations I have that I feel is lacking is about money, mm -hmm. is the available capital and the, or the lack of it because we're intimidated by it. When I was in school, I never really talked about money. I mm. And even within my family, I've never really talked about money. So can you give us an insight into how the funding landscape works um, and how how one can prepare to ask for capital? Well, I think the important place to begin with is that the funding landscape is broken. It is just fundamentally broken, and it was truthfully designed to be that way. Um, but it's broken, and a testament to that is, one, the data that exists out there. You know, less than 4% of venture capital goes to women entrepreneurs. Um, women entrepreneurs uh, access 14% of loans compared to men. Um, but the return on investment on women entrepreneurs is a lot higher. And so you look at that data, and then you combine it with anecdotal evidence and stories from women who have such a hard time with this, mm -hmm. um, you just clearly see how broken and how dysfunctional it is. And um, layered with that is frustrations around any kind of emotional pieces with money. You know, I think a lot of us have had um, negative experience or have grown up with um, stories of, you know, girls aren't good at money or at numbers or at math or um, it's rude to talk about money or you can't ask what someone else mm -hmm. is making. Like there's been so mm -hmm. much of this um, systemic piece that has happened around it. Plus then your own, any, any kind of your own personal trauma with money. I'm currently actually getting right. certified through this incredible program led by two Vancouver entrepreneurs called the trauma of money, where they walk through, um, exactly that. Like what are the emotional trauma related pieces to money that get in our, our own way? So you kind of have all those yeah. things that conflate into this giant, mess around it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I may be going a little bit off topic, but you know, a lot of people identify their self-worth or their mm. value based on how much they owe people money or how much they need to ask for money. So that's, that's where the relationship of money is, is really difficult and difficult to ask for. Absolutely. And especially when you're an entrepreneur, often your value feels equated to your, like your money is equated to your value because you're putting yourself out there. It's a, it can be, it can feel a little bit different if you have a tangible product that you're selling, but if you're selling a service or work that you are doing that is so interconnected, plus starting a business and being an entrepreneur is just a vulnerable space to be, to be in, to begin with. So you layer all those things and it's just a confounding mess. Um, so actually what I mentioned at the beginning, the new program that we're launching, I'm so excited about because this is exactly why we've designed it. And so what it is, is we want to help women entrepreneurs, and this is, again, specifically for women entrepreneurs, to understand what are the different types of funding that they can use. Because a challenge, too, is that there, we, there's this story around us that there's a certain model, right? Like the hockey stick growth, that you have to get equity, right. that you have to give away your business, that's how you're going to grow, etc. So one, there's a narrative and stereotype, and also that loans are bad. So those are kind of the things you hear about money, right? Um, mm -hmm. So one is understanding what are all the different forms of capital. And then two, getting really clear on what are your values in terms of what you want your business to look like, how you want to grow it, and then putting together the pieces of the puzzle to create your funding 
um, picture and your funding vision, because it's going to look different for everyone. Someone might want to grow really aggressively over the next three years. Someone, um, because of personal values or life circumstances, wants that to look different. And that is all okay. Everyone's individual plan is okay. It's just getting really clear on what are my values? How do I want this to look like? And then putting the pieces of the puzzle together. So understanding how to utilize debt in a smart way. There's loans, there's lines of credit, there's utilizing your cash flow and receivables and payables terms. Like there's so much creativity that can actually really happen there. There's of course equity, which is giving away um, uh, ownership in your business, which is the right path for certain times and for certain values and for certain businesses. There's crowdfunding and crowdfunding. You can do rewards-based crowdfunding. So that's kind of the Kickstarter Indiegogo models, but in Canada well, and in the US too, you could also do equity crowdfunding. So you can actually have people buy into your business too and become champions. So that's a path. And then the fourth Mm -hmm. path is, of course, grants. And there's a lot out there that is misunderstood. You know, there's that phrase, there's no such thing as free money. And while generally that is a correct statement, there is a lot of money that is given if you're in certain industries or, for example, um, subsidies or grants. And so you can be really smart about how you can layer and um, utilize these pieces and components and create your own pass for it. And so what we have created is a four-week course that is literally going to walk through in a cohort base because we also know women like being together. (laughs) And so we're going to be together in it. And we're going to learn from people who are in that space, but also actually almost more importantly, we're going to hear from entrepreneurs who have utilized all these different paths and they're going to share, here's what sucked about it. Here's what was great about it. If I did this again differently, here's what I would do differently. And here's what I will think about going forward. And the whole idea is let's talk about what these pieces are. Let's get really clear on the knowledge so we feel confident in the knowledge. Um, And then let's really think about and discern what do I actually want? What do I actually want my business to look like? And then create an action plan from that and feel like I have the supportive community, both community of women entrepreneurs and then community of supporters and potential funders to help me through that. So there, the, I, with the number of times we're going to say money over the period of the four weeks is going to be so much. And I'm so excited for that. I'm excited for this program. So how, do they, how does someone prepare to apply for this program? Uh, obviously a business plan. How does someone like learn to evaluate their business? Um, so so what, walk us through what they need to have prepared for Yeah, you. that's a great question. This is the fall one that we're running. So the October cohort, we are making it really accessible and open because we know how significant of a need this is, especially in the time of this pandemic. Um, we know that women already are under-resourced and are having a hard time getting funding previous to all this. And this has just made it so much more difficult. So we're keeping it really accessible. We actually don't need you to have anything prepared before you take the program. Um, You fill out an application online, which asks you if you have a business plan, asks you if you have revenue, asks you about these things, but none of them are, are a prerequisite. You don't have to have them yet. In the course itself, we will walk through. If you don't yet have a business plan, here's a great template for you to use. If you don't have this, here's the resource we recommend. And so we kind of, we connect you to all the pieces and go through, you know, what is it, if you're going to be talking to a banker, what do you need to have prepared? How can we help you attain that? But to actually come and get the knowledge, we're keeping that super accessible because we believe this should be something, honestly, we should be learning this like in high school Mm -hmm. and university. This should not be something that we then subsequently later have to be trying to figure out on our own. Um, So we're keeping it really accessible and truly open for all. And of the applications we've had so far, you know, we've had some high growth tech companies apply. And then we've had 
Um, oh gosh, I was just looking the other day. We've had a farmer from a rural community in BC apply. And I'm just so excited for all those women to get to know each other and to support one another too. I love how you're so excited. We just had our, our previous guest, or actually her episode just aired this week uh, uh, with uh, Meredith Shutter. She's formed her own app um, after a sexual harassment encounter, but she was actually trying to source out all these investors. And she was having difficulty because she was pitching her product, but she also had to tell her backstory, mother of three. And just because of that reason, she was having a very difficult time trying to find capital uh, to fund her the start of her app. And so she ended up having to pull money from just her supportive friends. So is there a certain criteria that you guys are looking for? Or, or really, are you guys like looking for anybody and anybody who who will contribute to this economy? So I love that you brought up Meredith. She's a friend and she's an E-Series uh, graduate from FWB. No so I love that. Such a small world. She's so <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Um, and oh my gosh, I would hire all women, women of mothers of three children. Yes, you are probably the most productive person on the planet. <laughs> so that's totally. just total baloney yeah. in and of itself. But no, we are, um, we have mothers, we have not mothers. It is, um, it is all wide open because it's about democratizing the access to the information, to the community and to the networks to be able to do that. That's what's important to us. We have a, a motto or like something that we live by at FWE, which is leave no woman behind. And we really make sure to bring that to life, both in terms of the accessibility of the program. So for example, you know, we have dedicated um, bursaries and scholarships to women for whom any financial costs might ever be a barrier or for whatever reasons um, wouldn't be able to access. We allocate specific funds towards that. Um, but we also live mm -hmm. and breathe it in terms of, you know, if this program isn't right for you, it's not the right time, let us help you over here or direct you here. So we never want you to have the experience of feeling like you are either not enough or that anything in your background or history would prohibit or, or, or preclude you from being able to participate. Wow, that's amazing. So how is the organization lined up? Are they getting somebody who has gone through the program already and then they act as a mentor or a, a lot of the resources are kind of part of your committee and organization already? So how much access do they have really in once they're signed up? For the program, do you mean? In terms of, yeah, in terms of mentorship, right. it, like one-to-one -one right, or, right, or group right, got mentorship. It. So um, for the Money Moves program, uh, we're facilitating peer mentorship within like the women entrepreneurs taking part of the program. So we'll have at least 50 women. We'll have somewhere between 50 and 100 taking part from all across Canada, which is really exciting too, because I think... Right now, it's also really hard to um, make new relationships, um, especially beyond kind of your circle and your community. And so making relationships with other women entrepreneurs across the country is so valuable. So there'll be peer mentorships. You'll also be directly live with all of the speakers um, who are so excited to give generously of their time, both during the session sessions, but subsequently also to be reached out for questions, et cetera. So full access that way. And then, as I mentioned, we also have a mentorship program. So anyone who graduates from this program is welcome to go through our mentorship program as well. And there you get matched one-on-one -on -one with a mentor. So what will be really valuable is to go through this program and then at the end of it, be able to go, okay, so I have my 12-week action plan. I know you know, I know my pathway. I know what I'm doing. And the best kind of mentor that could support me, you know, it might be someone who has experience in the industry. It might be an entrepreneur who's done it before. It might be someone who has a specific um, area of expertise, like, you know, marketing or finance or whatever. Okay. And then our team can match you, uh, match you up directly with a mentor that is uh, fitting of what you need at that point in time. 
Amazing. Um, I want to talk about, I want to shift it a little bit because uh, a huge component is the internal state of mind. Mm. It's There's this emotional component where I feel like we often, like I've heard the words grit, resiliency, we're better at multitasking. Um, what is it that that drives a female entrepreneur? How do women like approach entrepreneurship different than men? We did a study last year and I'm sharing it. I know studies sometimes make us glaze over, but I thought it was so interesting. So we did a study in, in partnership with the BC Chamber of Commerce and we had a total of about just over 1,600 uh, business owners respond, of which over 50% were women. I think it was like 54%. And one of the questions that we asked, and this is certainly backed up by like the stories and anecdotally what I hear, but it was so interesting to actually see the data on it. Um, mm -hmm. One of the questions that we asked was whether they integrate social values into their business. So we wanted to see like, is this something we hear stories like we know more women start nonprofits or social enterprises or are doing things in the community that like, we know these from the stories. And we wanted to see um, if the entrepreneurs would self-identify that as well. And they did in a significant degree. So almost 80% of women entrepreneurs or just over something around the 80% mark um, were already integrating social values into their business versus 20% mm. less of men answered yes to that same question. Wow. And so we see that and we know that we know that from the stories, you know, so many more women will start businesses because they want to see a change or they have a deep passion around a specific area. Um, and so what I'm also really passionate about is, yes, that is phenomenal. And let's make sure you're making money and growing it the way you want to be doing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one thing about being passionate about it, but it's what's the driving factor in terms of how does it unfold mm -hmm. for them? Is it is it just an idea? How does it become reality? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, that's that's probably one of the the largest things is following our heart, and then it'll everything will come together because you're so passionate about mm -hmm. it and you you believe in it that everybody else will believe in it too. Mm -hmm. um, do you see a certain like sector that's growing faster than another? Good question. I, you know, I think like food and product has always been quite significant um, and definitely is growing. Uh, technology always is growing and, and like right. within technology, obviously so many verticals within that, um, but constantly sh sh uh, changing too. And I think really thoughtful consumer goods. So not just you know, not just another candle or not just another this, but, you know, there's um, here in Vancouver, there's, you know, a few really beautiful companies that are in kind of the health wellness space that make products that are so aligned with values. You know, there's um, Sister Sage, which are, which is an indigenous owned company based in Westminster, and they make these beautiful, um, soaps and body products with such values ingrained in them, or Woodlot, which makes a number of products, and I use their candles for everything. So a lot of these kind of product or what's previously would have been seen just as lifestyle businesses are really integrating those social, um, values elements into how they do the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Do you often see where someone starts a program and then they kind of fall off course? Like what, what happens? Why do they do that? And how do you get them back into being focused again? Yeah, I think it's actually less fall off course and more... Um, overwhelmed. And usually that kind of happens like a third of the way in when you've absorbed a lot of knowledge and kind of see all the possibilities. Yeah. And then all of a sudden go, whoa, this is like a lot. And how am I going to begin to think about this or lay it out? And then really we remind them like, get back into conversation with yourself, with your peers, like, 
talk about it. What's feeling, what's not feeling great right now? What's feeling sticky? What's feeling stressful? What's making you sweat? Talk about it, kind of work it out and just keep showing up. Keep showing up because in the next hour, you'll talk about this. In the next hour, you'll kind of work through this. And then by the end, um, it all comes together and it truly does all come together. And we love seeing that magical element at the very end when it's all come together and seeing the difference and how they feel about it all um so yeah that totally happens and I think it's totally reflective of generally the entrepreneurship journey too yeah like that fear or is it maybe they just didn't imagine that it's actually possible because it's such a a dream or an idea and then when it actually comes into to working it um they're like well is this even possible because can I do it? Yeah. Who am I to do right. it? Or who yeah. am I? Like where where does where is my place or where's my space in this economy yeah. or in this world? Um and, and it's a lot of, a lot of pressure to take on that too, right? It is. It is. And that's why everything that we do, we do in in cohorts, in community together, because we know that if you see someone else feeling the same way and taking those steps of courage, mm-hmm. that fuels that in you right. too. Right. So what do you see in terms of the imbalance of small to medium-sized businesses, men versus women right now? Yeah, you know what? There was actually a really great, I wonder if I can remember it or maybe quickly pull it up while we're speaking here, but the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, which is a Canadian research hub based out of Ryerson University, they actually just a couple of weeks ago came out with a new study called The State of Women's Entrepreneurship in Canada. Um, and it was really valuable because they really looked at what does the landscape look like? What are the differences um, in what, like, what, what does it one look like? And then what are the challenges faced? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that they showed was, um, so right now, 53% of small, medium enterprises are male-owned. Um, 21% are 50-50. And then you have 13% that are fully woman-owned. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, which is pretty small, yeah. right? And then 10%, 1 to 49% women-owned. Um, and then they also had a statistic around the size of businesses. I'm quickly kind of trying to go through this report as we're speaking. I don't know if That's I'll be okay. able to find it so, quickly enough, but it isn't, I mean, it's, it's, it, there is disproportion there, right? And so what it means, um, oh, here you go. You know what? I found the summary. So 15.6% of small, medium enterprises in Canada are majority owned by women, and so while women are also a larger percentages of new businesses, so we're seeing more women start new businesses, mm-hmm. the companies are smaller. Mm-hmm. We also know that 37.4%, so let's call it 37% of self-employed people are women in Canada. And so what that means is women have smaller businesses and are more likely to be self-employed, so kind of the solopreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, then there's an impact from that in terms of if they're able to grow their business or scale it or the resources they're able to access. Or like we've seen during COVID, the pandemic, because when you're smaller, you typically don't have a buffer of resources, both human resources and money resources, to weather an unexpected storm Mm -hmm. or to pivot. You don't have that buffer to buy yourself the time to figure things out, which is why we know women, um, small businesses, were disproportionately and more quickly impacted Mm -hmm. by things like businesses needing to shut down, whereas men have been able to have the time because they've literally been able to buy themselves the time to shift and change. Mm, That's interesting. What kind of movement or radical change needs to happen to bring this number up? 
women, money. <laughs> it sounds um, pretty straightforward. It sounds but <laughs> straight, uh, right? <laughs> I know, I know. That, like, the, the systems around it all need to change. We need to be able to access it, leverage it, do it wisely, etc. And then I knew, the thing we haven't talked about that is so important within it too, not for not for all women entrepreneurs, but certainly for many of them, is childcare. Oh, okay. You can't work when you have kids full-time. Right, right. Um, and I know that, I believe in one of the podcasts or YouTube channels that I listened on, your husband is a full-time dad, right? And then you're, mm-hmm, okay, that's is. amazing. How does that, does that ever come into conversation with, with anybody in your circle? Yeah. I mean, we talk about it all the time. It is still amusing to me that even though like I were, it is public knowledge or like, you know, it's, it, it's not a secret that that is how we manage things at home and be able to do um, what we do people will still question whether I can participate or do certain things. That's like so I also get questions like, or like pre pre COVID it was, you know, Oh, you, you, are you, are you able to come out for this? You're really going to travel for this again? That I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> never in the history of a man doing anything like this has even asked this. And I've even like, it's even known that I have full care, let alone like outside childcare. It is so bananas to me. It is. Um, I don't know what it's going to take to change that. Like continued, continued stories, et cetera. I think, you know, now that we've seen that this has always been the case. And I think now that people, aka men, have been at home with children during the pandemic trying to work, the understanding that childcare is an essential economic imperative. Absolutely. Like childcare is infrastructure. That is what it yeah. is. It's not a nice to have. It's infra- it's essential infrastructure that maybe that maybe eventually that will shift and change it culturally. Should. Yeah, it, it starts from top from top down from management. Yeah. And basically saying this is like the necessities and and we're going to allocate that fairly amongst, you know, which, who, whichever employees no matter what gender you are. Mm-hmm. What what kind of core principles do women need to hold within themselves to show value. So like there's, there's certain core principles that I feel like women need to hold within themselves to show like, you know, we are, we're standing ground. We're not going to take no for an answer. There's for me, particularly I'm more, I'm about uh, fairness. I'm never going to say take no as an answer. So is there something that, that they need to have to hold within themselves that will create a movement or create some sort of different perspective out of, from people? Hmm, That's a really interesting question. I mean, my first reaction truthfully is I have such an aversion to us telling that women need to be something or do something and making and implying that they need to do or be something in order for the system to change, to either accommodate them or to change on their behalf, when really it's not, like, it should not be up to them yeah. who, <laughs> the ones who are not, um, for whom the system is not working for, to, for this, uh, to be changing the system. And so I kind of get an aversion whenever I hear, like, women need to be louder, they need to speak more confidently, mm-hmm. they need to fix the, fit this box. Um, I think that's problematic because it's just, saying, here's the box. And if women want to be seen as equal in it, then you need to play on this. No, no, the problem is the box. The problem isn't women. That's a great way to look at it. (laughs) Um, And so I think the only thing that I hope we can collectively get to, and I hear when you hit like your 60s or your 80s, you really feel this way, is that you just give zero Fs about it. And you go, (laughs) this is me. This is what's important to me. I'm going to align around this and you feel that confidence and um, less around that. But I think all the other ones, yeah, I just, um, I think it's problematic to imply that 
women have to be something in order for the system to change because then, ne- then it never will. And it'll be such a vicious cycle of the same things perpetuating over totally. and over again. No, I, I'm going to shift my perspective. Absolutely. After you said that, <laughs> <laughs> but if, but if like never saying no is what works for you and that feels authentic to you, that is great. <laughs> that is just great. Um, let's talk about, uh, the pandemic because it's, I feel like a lot of a lot of companies are suffering, a lot of small businesses are suffering. And it's just so sad to, you know, immigrants especially are bringing money into Canada. They're just starting a life. Um, They're taking all their savings, pouring it into their businesses. Um, Have you seen some struggles or changes yourself um, where they've, they've started their business or in the middle or having to like shut down their business because of the pandemic? Yeah, I know too many businesses that have shut down. My hair salon shut down. My yoga studio shut down. It's really devastating um, and so heartbreaking. Um, and the reality is we probably haven't seen the worst of it yet. Um, not knowing what the ha- fall holds, what we do know will for sure shift is at some point a lot of the you know government subsidies and incentives will, will taper off. Um, and those will be real pieces that will hit small businesses. And so I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet. And already it's been awful and it is quite heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that, um, what kind of like advice do you have for businesses in order to pivot around this crisis? Yeah, you know, I think it's really, um, it depends kind of what the business is, right? And so some businesses are the types that are able to sell online or transition. You know, we've seen restaurants be so innovative around that. Um, And some, it will be more difficult for some, for ones that haven't had buffer or are really connected to being in person and require that kind of engagement. It is challenging. What do you, are there any other resources other than your organization where they can reach out? I know that there's the the CBA, the Canada Emergency Business Account. Do you recommend someone taking that $40,000 loan? I mean, that $10,000 is forgiven and the the loan is pretty much interest-free for a certain period of time. Do you see many entrepreneurs taking advantage of that? So yes, and yes and no. So So, do I recommend it? Yes. Um, Because as you said, 10,000 of it is forgiven. And so if you don't need a penny of it, don't use it, put it, put the 30,000 in a bank account that, and you'll make like 100, 200 bucks interest over the next year or whatever. Um, You have it there as safekeeping, should you need to dip into it for whatever reason, like, for example, if you're able to pivot and you want to like relaunch your website, or you need um, inventory, whatever, just put it aside, have your $10,000 and think about what you can do with that $10,000 that's going to make you more money. So um, can you invest in um, ads, ads right now? So social media ads were pulled back like crazy at the beginning of the pandemic. So the the cost actually has gone down. So can you invest in that? Like what can you use that $10,000 for that's going to help you grow your business? Think of it that way. Think of it as a $10,000 gift that you can use today to grow your business. Whether or not you use that 30000 you don't have to make that decision today. Park it, save it. Worst case, you're just paying it back and you've made 100 bucks interest. Um, in terms of how people have been using it, yes. And we talked about before how a lot of women were either self-employed or maybe they were they had businesses that, were, that had a lot of contractors so they didn't have salary or they weren't paying themselves salary. Mm-hmm. Um, when... When when CBA originally came out, it was connected to salary levels. And so a lot of women I knew actually weren't able to access that because they either pay themselves dividends because they're owners of the business, don't have salary, or they actually even weren't registered and didn't have payroll because they were new or early stage. Um, and so the best resource around that Women's Enterprise Center here in BC, they now distribute this modified CBA loans. Okay. And 
there basically is not a business right now that isn't able to access that. I mean, quote, I might be ever so slightly wrong, but the eligibility has changed so significantly that it's meant to now be eligible for contractors, for people who are accessing dividends, et cetera, et cetera. So they've really adjusted it. Um, and Women's Enterprise Center is distributing them now, which is great because then you can access it via a women-supported organization as well and get access to that. Um, and if you're having a hard time navigating all these different specific pandemic pieces, Small Business BC, on behalf of the province of BC, has a really great website and a toll-free call line that you can call and speak directly to someone who can help you walk through all of these different okay, pieces. Okay, I'll add all of those uh, links to our <laughs> episode notes. Um, but those are really good tips because I feel like, you know, there's there's multiple layers that you can actually reach out to, not just that one single source. And and mm-hmm. I'm, sh- I'm sure if you can maximize it, like why not, as long as you can handle that, handle the repayment, right? Yeah. How does one get involved in supporting your organization? So uh, whether they be a sponsor, whether they want to be uh, donating, like how do they get involved? Yeah, thanks for yeah. asking. Thanks for asking. Yeah, we are a registered charity, so you get a tax receipt for every donation, which is great. Um, you can do it all on our website. So our website is fwe.ca. Um, there's information there about both donating and to get involved. I think probably um, a great way too is just to reach out. My email is paulina at fwe.ca. I'm happy to connect with anyone and to either entrepreneurs who want to help understand or navigate the programs or folks who want to support. We do do um, corporate sponsorships and for for our programs. We'll be having a new fundraising donation drive throughout the fall as well. Um, and we're always looking for phenomenal mentors to support our women entrepreneurs. So you can apply to be a mentor with our programs as oh, well. That's awesome. That's great. How long has mm-hmm. it been in, in like a charity for? Um, so the organization has been around for 19 years okay. and I believe it went from nonprofit to charity about five or six years ago. I've only been with the organization about a year and a half. So don't, don't know exactly the years of yeah. history, but about Yeah. That. How, how did you start getting involved in, in this type of line of work? Because you're, you're originally a CA, right? And mm-hmm. then tell, take us that through like your, your career. I never yeah, asked so about that. I, <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's all good. Um, so I actually was really good at math. <laughs> so I went into finance and accounting at business school, which was retrospectively probably wasn't like the best and only criteria I should have considered. <laughs> However, there we go. Um, and so I graduated and I worked at KPMG for a number of years and got my CA, CPACA there. And I knew that I didn't want to stay in public practice. That wasn't where I had a lot of um, passions and interests outside of it. And I really am deeply committed to making an impact in the world. World and um, I wanted to be more, more closely connected to that. So uh, I had started a nonprofit that I ran for eight years as well called Young Women of Business, which still exists today and has chapters nice. across Canada. And then when I went to work at Futurepreneur, it was a great combination because it was both the financing side of it as well as the business and entrepreneurial side. Uh, while I was there, I wrote the book as well because I've always had a passion for supporting women. I, I don't really, I can't pinpoint exactly where it's come from, but it's, it's always just been really strong mm-hmm. in me. And so I've pursued that in either both my work or the pieces that I do around my work. Um, And then uh, I came on board to FWE. I was actually um, five months pregnant when I joined the team last January, so January 2019, which feels like so long ago in some ways, shapes and form. But it was so fun to just dive right in with the team. And here we are. Where (laughs) where do you want to take it from from like when you entered into the organization? Like, where do you want to take it to? What do you, what's your vision? 
Yeah, you know, um, the vision is for Canadian women entrepreneurs to be thriving and running wildly successful businesses on their own terms. And I think there's so many incredible ways we can bring that to life. You know, we've been doing, for example, these weekly community connects every Wednesday at um, 11 a.m. Pacific to Eastern. And we have women from all across the country join and be in community together. We practice asking and giving Mm -hmm. for what we need and offering what we have to offer and that is free and totally open for anyone. You don't, we don't have a membership, so you don't have to be a member. We we simply consider you to be in community when you start engaging with us and be in community with us. Um, and I'm really excited for us to continue innovating the programs that we do. You know, Money Moves is a new program that we're launching because of the conversations, because of the landscape, because of the things we're hearing from our entrepreneurs. And we will continue to do that. We'll continue innovating and bringing forward things that are timely, needed, and iterate on them as we learn and grow with our entrepreneurs. I can, I can, I just want to give you a compliment because I can feel your energy and your excitement <laughs> through the screen and it's, and, and I'm going to look up, <laughs> I've like w- was perusing through the website, but I'm going to look it up in more in detail because I'm, I want to start these passion projects of my own and I, I definitely mm. want to see what kind of mentorship I can get. Not, I don't re- mm-hmm. really require funding, but just the mentorship and the guidance for it too. <laughs> so, so thank you so yeah, much. Uh, you know what, being in community together, like there's, so much about entrepreneurship can feel so lonely and siloed mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't need to be that way and when women come together tremendous things can happen truly you know one of our I'll tell you a quick yeah. story um, a couple weeks ago on our Wednesday community connects we had two entrepreneurs that were on there one that's based in a community outside of um, London Ontario or Toronto I can't remember somewhere in Ontario but and not quite in the big city and then another entrepreneur who's based here in Vancouver and the Vancouver one was looking for a really specific niche piece of equipment. She makes leather products out of um, fish skin, like very, very tailored, yeah. right? Very specific. And we're going through any asks that anyone has. And she goes, oh, I haven't asked, but no one here is going to be able to help me with it. And I go, oh, just throw it out, Tanya, <laughs> just throw it out. And she goes, well, it's a piece of this kind of tanning equipment. It hasn't <laughs> been used in North America for like all these decades, et cetera, et cetera. And then we're kind of go around and it comes to this woman from Ontario and she goes, hey, Tanya, I live next door to an old factory that used to be a leather making factory. And I know it hasn't been used in Vigilanias. I'm going to walk over there. I walk there every night for my evening walk. I'm going to go walk over there tomorrow and ask for their contact information. So there you go. You just just never know what happens or how it comes together. And um, let's just be together, be in community, practice community as a verb and hold space and support one another that way. Spread the love there. Well, we have a long mm-hmm. way to go until like we actually reach equality and expanding that diversity and like leadership. I know you celebrate so many incredible women, especially in your book, Canada 150 uh, Women. Um, you interview some great role models from like athletes to artists to politicians. What's one story that or leader that really, really touched you on a personal level? Oh, gosh. It's like asking my favorite child. <laughs> We know you have one. It's a- <laughs> um, you know, a story that I've been thinking about a lot, and actually we talked a, lo- a little bit about it earlier on the call, is Alison Redford's story. She was the first female premier in Alberta. And any political opinions or thoughts aside, as a first female premier in Alberta that is very significant. And her story really struck me then, and I still think about a lot today. And I asked her, and I can't remember how it's worded in the book, so I'm paraphrasing a little bit from the conversation that we had. But I asked her that looking back now, you know, 
at her time in office, is there anything that she regrets or that she would have changed? And her answer was so not what I expected um, because she said that she regrets or she would have changed not wearing the suits that she wore. Mm, okay. So the backstory yeah, behind that is Yeah, it's got to be some analogy that, um, there, right? Yeah. Well, she has a really incredible and beautiful sense of fashion, and it's something that is really important to her as a value and part of her identity. Um, but when she was going through, you know, the ranks of becoming a premier and all the process, all she would see around her was the swath and sea of gray or black mm-hmm. suits. And she knew that to get to the table, she would have to play that role, and that's what she would have to look like. And so she did. But what she said, she re- and she said she doesn't regret that because she knows that that was part, part and parts for her getting to where she was able to get to. But what she regrets is that once she was there, she didn't go back. It just became what it mm-hmm. was. And she lost that piece and she, you know, she said, like, once you get to the table, that is when you really, like, bring bring those values really forward and bring them to life and be yourself and really embrace that. And, you know, she she really felt she had to play a certain role and look a certain way specifically to get to where she was. And that still feels like it would have had to have been the case. Um, but mm-hmm. she thinks once she got there, that could have felt and looked different. Wow. Okay. It's incredible. Yeah, there's some mm-hmm. really good, great stories in that book, and yeah, I just I'll I'll also put that into the episode notes. Um, do you have time for ten rapid fire questions? Oh, let's okay. do it. Sounds okay. Good. Number one, if you can make any documentary, what would it be about? I would drive across Canada and talk to your local community, um, grocery, community, gathering space, store, shop, and just hear little stories from communities across Canada. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Actually, I want to go back to your book. Sorry about that. (laughs) I'm going to interrupt this 10 rapid fire. How did you choose the 150? Like, how were they shortlisted? Oh, it was such a process. I had four incredible women helping me. Um, they're, they're showcased in the back of the book, the contributors, collaborators that I worked with, who are incredible women leaders themselves. And we really wanted to showcase stories of diversity of all elements. So geographical diversity across Canada, age, industry, background, et cetera. And something that was really like unique or we knew had a story mm-hmm. or, you know, the first woman to... Um, to be the head of a Canadian um, Canadian warship, whatever the title of that one was. Like, we just knew those would evoke really powerful stories mm, and imagery. I see. Okay. Okay. Number two, what advice would you give to your teenage self? It's okay to feel lost and um, you can totally create your own path. Nice. What's one professional skill you're currently working on? Um, I am currently working on board governance. Okay, great. What does that involve? So um, I'm a board member on two different uh, two different nonprofits, the YWCA Metro Vancouver and the Immigrant Employment Council of BC. And of course, I report to my own board. Um, and I think it's such a fascinating skill set of governance and how to convene and the merriment of like strategy and supporting an executive yeah. team and the role of the board. Yeah, I'm diving into learning around Amazing. that. Um, who has influenced you most when it comes to how you approach your work? Oh, Gosh, I get inspiration from so many. I'm kind of a little collector yeah. of stories and of elements. Um, I don't know if one specific person comes to mind. I'm a big collector. <laughs> um, no problem. You can have more than one. Uh, what behavior or personality trait do you most 
attribute your success to and why? I think I have a lot of passion and energy for the work that I do. And I think that's important because it can help us as a team move forward and kind of get excited around things together and bring people along the journey with yeah. us. And you're really great at listening, actually. Like you're, I think you love mm. listening to stories. And so you want to be able to release that to everybody else and share everybody, share their story, their side of the story. I do love yeah. listening to stories. Um, what energizes you at work? Oh, the women entrepreneurs we work with. Yes. Um, who's your biggest inspiration? Every single woman entrepreneur I meet. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite book? I, I am not, you know what? I'm not a binary person. I don't have favorites or one okay. things. I do know this about myself. Um, uh, what or is what's, a book oh, that here's I Oh, Here's back. another question. Yeah, yeah. What's your latest book that you're reading? Um, I have two books on the go. One is about... Um, uh, the title of it, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the title, but it's a it's a ch child psychology book, um, something about ch children's brain development. I'm blanking on the title of it now. And then the other book that I'm uh, finishing reading right now is Braiding Sweetgrass, which is written by an Indigenous author and is a beautiful depiction of history and culture and traditions and practices. Nice. Um, what does leadership mean to you? Leadership to me means being together, being in service, and choosing to uh, make intentional impact. Fantastic. Sounds wonderful. Um, final question. This is a fill in the blank. I'm here to support women entrepreneurs, be wildly successful, and thrive on their own terms. <laughs> um, I know you mentioned your email address before, but where can our listeners find you? Uh, so... Our work is at fwe.ca and we're on socials at FW Canada. And personally, I'm at Paulina A. Cameron on all the socials. Thank you so much, Paulina. Again, it's Paulina A. Cameron and FWE Canada. I am so, so inspired by you and I love your passion for helping others. And us starting the podcast is also to help other female entrepreneurs be um, very successful in their empire, no matter how big or small they, they want it to be. So I really, truly appreciate you spending the time with us today. And again, like, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Jenny. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> Bye. We hope this has been helpful. Our intention is to unite the industry's most powerful, top-performing women, empower women with aspiring stories, and provide you with tools and actionable strategies so you can apply it to your personal and professional life. So what we'd love you to do is connect with us on Instagram at In The House Podcast. If you've listened to this episode, take a screenshot of it and share and tag us on your feed. Let us know your thoughts. Give us some feedback. We want to connect with you and hear about your journey. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Don't forget to hit subscribe, write a review, and share our profile with your friends and peers. Until next time.